Our uh, Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, It's in the 40th chapter, the opening 11 verses, and here I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, comfort, yeah, comforts my people, says your God, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark. It is the opening of that Gospel, the first eight verses of the first chapter. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written In the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. We had this debate this morning in Sunday school. My watch, though, says it's the 6th of December. 
So I guess my watch wins. Which leaves us just 19 days to go. 19 days. How can that be? Are you ready for Christmas? Last week I mentioned that some folks were so eager to get done with this year, this longest year in history in some ways of 2020, that they had begun their end-of-the-year holiday rituals earlier this go-around than ever before. Are you one of those folks? I can't say that I am. I still have much to do to prepare for Christmas. Just yesterday, we began to get some of those boxes down out of the attic at the manse. You know, the the red and the green ones tucked over in the corner with the labels on them that may or may not be accurate as to the contents of the box this year. The the ones labeled nutcrackers, uh, the ones labeled garland and light strands and ornaments and so forth. And there are still at least a dozen more of these boxes still up there waiting to be brought down and unpacked. Typically, when we think about these sorts of preparations, the organized among you, counting myself out here, may make a list for themselves. Whether it's a sketchy mental list or a more structured, perhaps even alphabetized written list, It's a collection of items like decorating a tree, trimming a house with lights, sending out cards, stocking up on special foods, those sorts of things. And while all these things may very well contribute to getting us in that so-called holiday spirit, they really aren't necessary for the coming of Christmas, as we are wonderfully reminded each year by Dr. Seuss. Not even a Grinch can keep Christmas from coming. Conversely, and perhaps even more frustratingly, nothing we can do can force it to arrive at a time other than that appointed for us, even in this year of 2020. But until that time comes, uh, two and a half weeks roughly from now, how are the preparations going for you? Both our Old and our New Testament readings this morning address this very theme. As the prophecy of Isaiah from 700 years or so before Christ finds in the judgment of the author of the gospel according to Mark, their fulfillment in John, the baptizer. An unlikely fellow he was to have been tapped to be the herald of a king. But then again, Scripture is full, isn't it, of the most unlikely of people being called upon by God for particular service. In our lesson this morning from Sunday school, we were looking at the genealogies uh, from the Gospels. And the genealogies of Christ include in them some very unlikely people. Jesus himself didn't look, as we touched on last week, much like the king that people were expecting to come liberate and rule the Israelites. Be that as it may, it was this very John, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, kinswoman to Mary of Nazareth, 
who had been appointed to prepare the way of the king. The way he understood his ministry of preparation was, according to the Gospel of Mark, through a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there had been long-standing precedent for ritual washing among the Hebrews as purification prior to their entering a holy place. But the notion of being forgiven of sins in this manner, well, that was a little bit novel. And, and also a little bit novel was the appearance of this man of God and his diet as well, both of which are commented upon in the gospel according to Mark, but neither of which is all that unusual in the tradition of Hebrew prophets. They were some pretty odd folks, and they did some pretty unconventional things. Well, this is indeed how John came to be known. He came to be known as a true prophet, as described, the people understood him to be a messenger from God. Scripture understood him to be a preparer of the way of the Messiah. John knew that there was one who was coming soon, one who was going to be far greater than he himself was. Like most of the rest of the Israelites, John also was eagerly anticipating the pending arrival of a promised one, one who would do great things on behalf of his people. John's job was to till the hard ground of the Hebrews' hearts, as has to be done around these parts, in the fields, just to the north, to the south, to the west of our sanctuary, before the harvest can come, is the planting of the seed. And before the planting of the seed comes the preparation of the soil. John was coming to sow his seeds of truth and righteousness, and God, we know, will harvest the wheat and the tares. On Christmas, we will celebrate again the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the nations, in this, the season of Advent, that leads us up to that festival day. We are invited, indeed, to prepare, not just the rooms of our homes, but also the chambers of our hearts. Are you prepared for Christmas? There is still time. As we were finishing up our Bible study on Friday, Terry said to me, I'll see you Sunday, Pastor, if the Lord doesn't return before then. Well, it looks as though that hasn't happened. So there's still time. There is still time to prepare. Time for us to be about this work of getting ready for Christmas. In the midst of the busyness of this time of year, as we're getting things ready for the holidays, we are called to make time to prepare for Christmas, for the coming of the Messiah and his reign. This task is, in many respects, even more challenging than finding just the right tree or the perfect gift for a loved one. It is, I believe, a challenging call to look in and to look out, a call to both evangelism and introspection. John's ministry beyond the Jordan was an evangelistic enterprise for him. From this morning's reading, it sounds every bit as if it were very successful. Seems that nearly everyone 
was compelled to see what the buzz was about. Crowds of people made their way out of the city into the countryside to partake of the oddly engaging spectacle that was the John Show. Wouldn't it be great if that happened right here on the bank of this river? If all the crowds from the city came out to see what was happening in the wilderness. John was aware that none of this was about him. No matter how charismatic he may have been, it was the message, not the medium, that had to remain central. As is later revealed in the accounts of his ministry, he remained on point, tilling the soil for the word, even after the arrival of the word incarnate on the scene. He was calling the lowly and the exalted alike to repent of their sins. And for his trouble, John would be imprisoned and beheaded. Thankfully, most of our calling to evangelism is not so perilous as that, though it remains that way for some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, as our guests this morning can attest. Still, we overlook this responsibility to our peril as we too continue to serve as messengers who are called to prepare, to prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, in the suburbs, in the cities, in person and via technology in all places and by all means. We are to be witnesses to the gospel to till the soil so that the seeds of the Holy Spirit will fall on softened ground, even if the world does think us to be as odd as junk. The other form of preparation we are invited to practice is deeply personal. It involves performing the same sort of tillage within ourselves, softening our own hearts, so that the seeds of the Spirit will yield forth an abundant harvest on that great day of the Lord, whenever it may be. Once again, I'll put forth this question, one that I have heard being whispered gently into my ear of late. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? The Pharisees We're living proof in the days of John and Jesus that telling other people what to do was not the trickiest part of living a religious life. Even today, that remains the case. Witness the press reports of salacious clerical misconduct. Preparing the self is, perhaps then, the harder challenge in this season of Advent. With apologies, To the few of you who might prefer it, I am not going to lecture y'all on how you should each do this. Though through your own petitions and your own reliance upon the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to find the most faithful way for you to respond to this Advent call. But I will tell you, some things that I have found or heard others say have been helpful and many of which reinforce and extend the sorts of things that we do here in worship each week during the season. Daily devotional readings, 
throughout Advent. Many of you already engage in this practice routinely, and the resources that you already use, well, they may contain special seasonal selections throughout the church year. But if they don't, there are certainly others that do. Repetition of our weekly worship practice of lighting a number of candles throughout the weeks of Advent, often this takes place around the dinner table. And it can be accompanied by more readings from Scripture and another devotional reflection. Putting up an Advent calendar so we we know what day it is. Kids and grandkids can help with this one. And parents and grandparents alike report having fun, revealing the days one by one as we count down. Such a project doesn't have to be as fancy as those advertised by the purveyors of such commercial items. It can just as easily be a do-it-together project. Listening to special music. There are few things like song to put one in the holiday spirit, but I would recommend that your diet of festive tunes not be limited to Bing Crosby or Elvis or Jose Feliciano. Tune in for a bit of uh, Christian radio. There's a couple of stations locally here that we can draw in, or you can dust off some old cassette tapes or, or some vinyl LPs that you have in the closet featuring collections of carols that celebrate not just the season, but the reason for the season. Displaying a nativity scene. It doesn't have to be as complicated as it sounds. A a few simple figures moved one by one in a shared outdoor or indoor manger space as we invite others to help us here on Sundays throughout Advent populate that crash. Watching classic Christmas specials and discussing them across the generations. I can still remember watching the story of the little drummer boy half a century ago in my mother's lap while she cried over it. Granted, by now, many of those shows have already had their annual showing, but there are still some that have yet to come on or that may be repeated Even if you can't gather with your extended family, you can covenant to watch the programs together and chat about them later by phone. Finally, I would invite you to create space and allow yourself a bit of extra time to pray. Maybe in the midst of the light from the Advent candles. Maybe in front of the nativity set with some carols in the background. Or maybe in the car after arriving a few minutes early for an appointment, or even in bed before you sleep, or just after waking in the morning, it's whatever works for you. These sorts of activities are not meant to be a a burden of additional tasks to put on that list that some people make that have to be accomplished before we can collapse, exhausted, late on Christmas Day, having survived the rat race of yet another holiday blitz. 
Rather, they are intended to illustrate the sorts of things some folks have found helpful as they prepare themselves to celebrate again the birth of Jesus. Here, in the very opening verses of the Gospel according to Mark, we are wonderfully reminded why. Why John the Baptist, in fulfillment of the words of prophets of old, felt compelled and encouraged to speak a word of encouragement to others. Why he felt compelled to help to prepare the way to be more ready to receive the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the very same reason that all these years on now, we too should encourage others and ourselves be encouraged to prepare the way once again. And here, rejoice and echo this continuing good news. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.